Hi, I'm Marianne Talkovsky, and you're listening to the Humanity Speaks podcast. With over a decade of experience as a holistic health practitioner and face reader, I've read hundreds of faces and elevated how many people see themselves. Every person's facial features tell a story of who they are and who they came to be. And in this podcast, you will hear what people see and learn about themselves while looking in the mirror. You won't want to miss an episode, so be sure to subscribe. My dear friend Ron Lovett is a pillar of service in his local community, where as a retired firefighter, he now helps youth in the Indianapolis area learn about farming, life skills, and finances. He shares his experiences growing up biracial, or what he identifies as multiracial. Listen until the end to hear his secrets on longevity that make people believe he is 20 years younger than his age. We can all use tips on healthy aging. First, I wanted to say that I am so grateful that you're here, that you're willing to share life stories with me. The series, Humanity Speaks, so we get to hear stories about you. I know you're super nervous. You think this is a public speaking event. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm good. Okay. All right. Awesome. Ron Lovett. Ron Lovett. By the way, I love your name. I don't know if I ever told you that. Love it. That's a really cool name. Yep, I'm a distant, 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 distant cousin to Lyle. Oh, really? No. <laughs> I wish I had his money or his, or his hair. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of, since we're focusing a little bit on stories and Chinese face reading, take a look, my friend, in the mirror and tell us what you see because listeners can't see you. Describe, mm. describe, describe this man in the mirror. I know it's very confronting. It's like right there. Yeah, I don't know how to describe myself. It's well, what's your what's your background? Uh, my mom's Japanese and my dad's African American, black. So I was born in Japan on a military base, and for my first eight years of living, we were traveling all over the world: uh, Germany, Japan, all over the U.S. So. I won't hold this mirror up to you the whole time, I promise. Okay. But I just yeah. <laughs> want yeah. want a couple of descriptors for everyone. Like, when how do you how do you see yourself? Uh, youthful, age, but aging. I have you know my age spots from being out in the sun and my little freckles that you say are fire or something. You remember? Yeah. Okay. And uh, no wrinkles yet. Very <laughs> few. So at my age, you'd expect some. Okay. So that's about it. I can't really think how to describe myself. Okay. Well, you have like a little a Fu Manchu. Oh, a little goatee, goatee. I just grew. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that a COVID thing or is that just? No, I don't have to work. Okay. Well, I've been retired for seven years and uh, I had to shave every day for the fire department. So okay. seven years I worked for Banker's Life during the Pacer games and they closed in March. So. I just said, let me grow a beard. I don't have to shave. Nice. And then, mm-hmm. okay, are you seeing dimples? Because I'm seeing dimples. Yeah, I, I, yeah, they're there somewhere. But yeah. In your cheeks? Yeah. Like little dimples here? I had big dimples when I grew up. I, I, I See, I, I haven't seen ball. those that prevalent before. So, yeah. okay, so I'll put the mirror away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you said half Japanese, half black. Yes. Born on a military base in Japan. In Japan. So, 
like take us there tell tell me what it was like being a kid in japan did you stay there no we left japan in 50 1958 i think yeah because my brother was born here in indianapolis so we were in um indy in 58 and then we were in missouri and colorado springs and we always bounced back to indy because my dad's family lived here and then we went to germany for three years so uh we were in germany the early 60s and moved to indy in 66 or 67. okay i was in third grade when we moved to indy so do you remember was Germany before third grade? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you remember living in Germany? Yes. I went to kindergarten, first and second grade in Germany. What was that like? It was pretty cool because all the kids were just kids, you know. Uh, we all played. We were on a military base, so there was a diverse section of kids. I mean, you know, if you're in the Army, your kids have to go to the same school with all the other kids. There was really no segregation, I guess. And... Uh, yeah, we played, had fun, and then we moved to the U.S., and that's when I realized there's racism. No. <laughs> because me and my brother didn't fit in completely with the black community or the white community because we were different. We were mixed. And, um, you know, my cousins all here on my dad's side, they just took us in, and we just blended in with the black community in the schools. Because that's where we went. So, how were you aware of racism? Like, what was was there a, a certain moment where you remember, or a memory, uh, or nothing specific? It's just that I knew from what my parents and my aunts and uncles did, there were places they didn't go, or sides of town they didn't go, and they didn't shop at some stores. They just stayed in the community because. You know, our neighborhood where I grew up, it was like we had the corner grocery store. Everything was there. We didn't have to drive anywhere. We could walk to the grocery store, the dry cleaners, the barber shops, the funeral homes, the churches. So, so you were introduced to segregation when you came to the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. How did that shape you, like, as a kid after in third grade on? Uh... I think that's where I had to learn how to fit in. As the old saying goes, you get in where you fit in where you get in. And that's what I had to do. Me and my brother and my little sister, when she, when she got older, that's what we tried to do. You know, we had, we tried to blend in with society. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that bad. We had fun. We played and ripped and ran the streets and did our thing. Yeah. And I was looking at your ear prior to us starting and I saw age two and age four to five, you had some markings. Were there specific experiences that you remember? I know I'm going back a little bit, but I don't want to miss that. Was there anything at that time in your life that was special? Was that, was there a move or another sibling that came about or something between your parents that happened? Um, Oh, we when we moved to Colorado Springs, I slipped and I cut my hand on, I fell, cut my hand on some ice, and I think I had like forty stitches in my palm of my hand. How old? Uh, 
probably three or four. Okay. So I remember laying on the table and the doctor at the hospital stitching my hand up and I'm crying and fighting. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I'm just, I w- they were notches that I noticed on your ear. You also have a, um, we talked about this before, cauliflower ear. appearance. My left yeah. ear. Yeah. 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 Uh, got that wrestling in uh, college. I got need in the ear and it hurt. But yeah, it's not bad now, but it's, you can't tell just looking at it. Mm-hmm. But inside it's cauliflowered. Yeah. So wrestling in college, and I'm going to go back to what you were talking about um, in going to school, you get in where you fit in, was, I'm, I'm guessing sports was one of the ways that you were able to do that, or, yeah, were you, I mean, I know you're very physically active, so. Yeah, because we, me and my brother grew up playing any sports you could name, uh, basketball, football, softball, baseball, uh volleyball we did it at the community center and uh so that's what we did and we played sports growing up from like nine years old all the way till i still play sports so do you feel like sports helped you to fit in oh yeah because everything was teams you know and then um you know, wrestling in high school and college is more individual sport, but you're still on a team. So um, now, I guess my kids say I play old man sports. <laughs> I play golf, and I used to bowl. I don't bowl anymore, but it's old man sports. So. Well, what is what does playing sports do for you? Um, burns energy, and it keeps me focused on being healthy. So when my body says I can't do it, I don't feel healthy. So that's why I come to you and get all the needles put in me once. In a while. <laughs> so you're okay. So you're one of your values is I heard from your description being youthful and healthy. Yes. Did I get that right? Yep. Okay. And why does that matter to you so much? Well, being healthy for me is being happy because I can still get out and do things I want to do. Like, if I want to go ride my bike, I know I can get on my bike and ride the Monon all the way up from downtown to Carmel and back, and my body won't hurt. And uh, it makes me happy just getting out cruising. Or when I go play golf, uh, you know, if I, as long as I can swing a golf club and play and have fun and enjoy it, I'm going to do it. That's one of the things I really admire about you because I feel like, first of all, I just wanted a little plug here. When people talk about anti-aging, mm-hmm. I can't stand that word because it's inevitable. We are going to age. Right. And I think healthy aging is a healthier way of looking at this inevitable process. And one of the ways to be proactive about that is to take care of your body. And one of the ways to do that is to express your energy and get your energy out through movement and you know i always share emotions are energy in motion so when you're moving and you're processing you're getting things out so you're not stuck and i believe that does contribute to people feeling happy yeah um yeah because when i lay around and don't do anything all my joints bother my knee and my shoulder and my elbow 
you know, they get stiff and they bother me. And uh, the more I move, the more I work out, the less pain or less issues I have with the joints. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and being proactive is not really something that people choose. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I mean, our society puts us in this position to create a Band-Aid or look for the easy fix, the instant gratification. So I'm just really curious, who taught you that or where did that come from, that this desire to stay youthful and healthy? Where did, where did those first start, those values? I think it was my high school wrestling coach, John Hurley. He was like a dad to all the kids that wrestled for him. And uh, he took care of us and he taught, instilled the discipline and the workout ethic that I still follow today. I mean, I still lift weights regular and uh, I don't lift heavy weights, but I lift enough weight to make my body feel it. But he instilled that workout ethic and uh, staying in shape and uh, being uh, real disciplined in what you do. Yeah. Awesome. So that was high school period. So that's going to take me to now. You mentioned you don't have any wrinkles. I do see some expression lines on your forehead. We'll we'll call them that. That's happy lines. <laughs> so expression <laughs> lines, and so I'm going to show you the spatial map here. I know that uh, people listening can't see this, and um, I'll post this on my on my website for people to reference. But this is a map my mentor shares of the facial maps of life experience, and on the forehead, every every feature represents a decade and on the forehead that's the era of the 20s and you have um a little bit of a divot at around age 19 and 22 okay that i'm seeing um and if you want to take a look in the mirror too what i'm talking about oh, yeah, yeah like so when you raise your eyebrows you can see um and that is normal whenever we're expressing surprise sometimes that can happen you know consistently if we are surprised and every feature on the face can represent one of three things it could be a time of life Mm -hmm. it can uh, represent a consistent emotion we experience or physical ailment so i'm looking at time of life right now age 19 Mm -hmm. and then age 22 for you anything significant and it doesn't necessarily have to be something tragic it could just mean something that you put meaning on that stood out Um, for you in your life well that was when i had my first son was that time period so you had your first son at 19 yeah i didn't know that (laughs) yep so um yeah, that was something I had to go through back then. So it was an experience. Probably bought a lot of surprises off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, but it was, it's what was done. It's been, you know, it was worth it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then 22? Trying to think. I don't know. I think it's right after school and I started working when I learned bills are important <laughs> got to make money to pay bills and take care of things all the responsibilities yeah that can also be shocking and surprising mm-hmm. but that was there was really nothing shocking that happened then okay so when you started 
stepping into responsibility, how did that shift your life? Paying bills and whatnot. Yeah, when I first started working, it, I was just spending money left and right. And then when I uh, had my second son, I got married, and then we had I had my uh, second son is when I realized, hey, you got family to take care of. You can't be doing this or doing that anymore. So uh, the res- responsibility kicked in more, and uh, I settled down, and I got hired on the fire department. So At what age? Uh, I was 32 when I got on the fire department and uh, retired at 57. Yeah. No, 56. So. Okay, so so second son, at what age? He was 32. So you had your son and went into the fire department? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. He was, uh, no, he was two years old when I got on the fire department. So that's when responsibility really kicked in. So, and then right after that, my daughter was born. <laughs> so. And then uh, I took care of them for all these years. Now they're on their own. Yeah. So 20 years in the fire department while you were being a father. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and what was that like? Because I can imagine if I had a parent in working for the fire department, um, I don't know how often you were called on duty, but that would I, I would feel nervous or concerned or uncertain if there was danger did you experience that often while you were working or oh yeah we had i've had fires that were uh i guess people would say were dangerous but when you're fighting fire you just go do your job um you know floors collapse walls collapse uh uh, ceilings collapse You, you know it's just part of the job and you just do it um yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was... It was <laughs> Fighting fires was fun. It was, it, was, it was fun and enjoyable when I was doing it. And now it's so technical and uh, things are different. So... Um, when you were in the fire department, did you experience racism there? Or did you feel like you had some questions about belonging? There were instances of racism i mean some of it was targeted at friends of mine and some of it very few targeted towards me but um why do you think that was because people didn't know what i was or who i was you know they i've had guys on the fire department tell me i wasn't black and then i've had blacks on the fire department tell me that i wasn't black enough so I was kind of stuck in the middle. In the in-between. Yeah. and uh, But that's where you just do your job and, you know, you get accepted. Mm-hmm. As long as you work hard and, uh, yeah, do your job. If you crawl in the fire with the rest of them, they'll respect you. You get in where you fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was a good job. I mean, most people don't realize you work. 24 hours and you're off 48. So just say you do 21 years on the fire department, seven years of that time 
is spent away from home. Wow. So you're not with your kids or your wife or whoever else you're around for uh, a third of the time you're on your on the on your, going through your career. Wow. That's a lot of sacrifice for service. Mm-hmm. But you know, people think it's great because you work 24 hours and then you're off two days. But sometimes that first day off, you're in bed sleeping, trying to recover from a busy day the day before. Any regrets? No, I went through all the phases. Uh, did every job, got promoted. When I left, I was in a captain's position, so I enjoyed it. You left on a high note. I left on a high note. And that's the way and, to do it. <laughs> I was happy, healthy, and didn't have a care in the world. So I want to ask you about your um, connection to your Japanese culture. How Can you describe or go into that a little bit? Or however uh, long you want to take. Because yeah. I, I know you've shared with me going to Japan. and Yeah, that's one of the things that I really wished I had done earlier. Because my mom, when we moved to the U.S. and traveled, she never really emphasized uh, the Japanese side of our family. So when I was about 53, I started being inquisitive and asking questions. And right after I retired, my first trip was to Japan and I spent two and a half weeks there with visiting my cousins. They just accepted me and it was like I'd, ne- I'd been there my whole life. They showed me all over the town where my mom was from, and we just had a ball. Do you see your features in their face? Uh, my one cousin, yes, she's. Uh, we sim- have similar features, but um, I think that really hits you because that that's happened to me when I when I went to the Philippines. I didn't know cousins existed, and I saw their cheekbones, mm-hmm. and they looked just like my brother. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is my bloodline yeah. that I had no idea, no connection. Mm-hmm on the other side of the planet, you know, in the, in the Philippines. So, yeah, that was... It, it's it's really neat. And uh, it's how they treated me when I got there. It was like... And then when, when the first time I went, I left. We were leaving. I was at the train station. Me and my cousin were sitting there crying. Aww. <laughs> it's just like... Because you felt like you were at home? I was at home. Why do you and, think it took 53 years? I think it's because my mom never talked about it, and she never brought it up. And uh, uh, I always knew I had a I had a half brother. My brother lives there, and he's six years older than I am. And uh, he's the times I've been, he's been hesitant about meeting because he never came to the states. He stayed in Japan, and um, his wife is okay with it. And, but he just can't get up the, I guess, the. I don't know if it's uh, forgiveness for not being able to come to the U.S. with my mom mm-hmm. to accept me and as, oh, a, as his brother. Like he was the one left behind. Yeah, he, was, he didn't want to come, and my grandparents there took him in and took care of him. So, Why do you think your mom didn't talk about it? Well, you have to look. It was the 50s and 60s, and uh, interracial marriage back then was taboo. Mm -hmm. So 
She wanted us to be raised in the U.S., but I don't think she realized that when we left the military, because we were a military family, but when my dad got out and we settled in the U.S., she didn't realize that, you know, we're only going to be in this society. But she had all her buddies, all her Japanese lady friends, and they'd get together and eat and cook and laugh and joke and just talk about Japan and Japanese stuff. And they got along great. Did any of her ways of of um, her culture, pa- did she pass that down to you in any way? Oh, yeah, a lot of it. I still cook Japanese dishes at home. Uh, I still, you know, it's like the discipline and the loyalty. I still go to the same grocery stores, Japanese grocery stores she went to. And, uh, you know, you have a bond with those uh, businesses. So, and then I still talk to some of her friends. My mom passed away three years ago, but I still keep in touch with two of her friends that uh, she talked to a lot. And Miss Ty is close to 90, but... She oh. still drives and gets around. She's on lockdown now because of the <laughs> virus, but right. I still call her and talk to her. And as soon as this is over, we're going to go to lunch because <laughs> we used to go to Sakura for lunch once a month or once every two months. Yeah. I take them. Yeah. Yeah. So, did any of because I know Japan, the, uh, Japan culture reveres aging in a different way than Western culture does. Do you think that has had any influence on the way that you are proactive and how you take care of yourself? Uh, Yeah, because like you said, uh, the elderly in Japan are well taken care of by their, you know, their kids and uh, grandkids. Um, When my mom passed, she uh, had Alzheimer's and dementia, so I took care of her for about two and a half years. And... uh, it was it was tough, you know, just making sure everything was right for her. But, uh, yeah, I, it's just one of those things. I know my kids will do it for me, but I'd rather take care of myself and not worry about it. Yeah. 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 So my you grandkids to... will probably take care, better care of me than my kids. <laughs> you want to be able to get on that bike whenever you want. You want to be like yeah. this tie riding oh, around yeah. at 90, not relying on people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I asked you about a hardship. Did you happen to think of anything in particular? I guess it was uh, trying to fit in. Growing up, you know, you go through phases where um, you go to places and people give you that look like, what are you doing here? And you just have to fit in. You just try to make a way to fit in so that... That's how it works, but um, that was probably the worst time dealing with that, you know, the hardship. But other than that, I had a good life. Um, Have. Have had a good life. (laughs) Still having a good life. (laughs) It's not over. It's not over. I mean, it's short, but the rest of my life is shorter than what I've lived, but still good. You have a lot of wisdom, though. I mean, a lot of people look up to you. And the things that I see in her face, like I've mentioned, the dimples, the, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, um, it, it, it signifies charm. 
<laughs> so that you know makes sense that you were able to get in where you fit in or make things work find a way you know where where people will connect with you and and be okay with your presence you naturally have that knack where people are you know going to look to you for fun and your freckles that fiery (laughs) nature which fire in chinese medicine that is about fun and laughter and and um yeah some people call it being a good -er. (laughs) bser yeah 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 you know you have to know how to I guess talk to people. Chameleon. Yeah. Be that be that person that can be flexible and um so you were talking about the hardship and you said that was tough. Where do you what do you think you got from that experience? Um uh, well you just said it, being a chameleon, you know how to blend and mix and and um you accept people for what they are and hopefully they'll accept you for who you are. But you try to uh, Look past people's faults, because um, no one's perfect. So you look past their faults and accept them, and good things happen. Do you still f- experience that at any moments in your life now? No. The, the the not feeling like you fit in. No, I haven't. Because you know, being kind of self isolated and. Uh, you know, I have a routine that, and and just a small core group of friends that uh, I deal with. So I don't need to be out hanging out with people that uh, aren't like-minded. Okay. And do you feel like you're comfortable in your skin? Oh yeah. Yep. Get to do what I want when I want. And uh, when did that first happen? When did you or has it? I mean, you said there were some challenges of fitting in and then you um, stepped into responsibility around 32. But when did you get to a point where you're like, I this this is who I am. Ron, love it. I'm Uh, just me. I think I was probably about 23 or 24. And I just started doing things. I mean, I was dating a girl in Washington, D.C., and <laughs> I don't know, it was like two months in a row. I drove to D.C. every Friday night and came back to Indy on uh, Monday morning to go to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> the things you do for love. Yeah, the things you do. But no, that was when I realized, hey, I can do whatever I want. Because, hey, I just jump in the car and just take off. I'd leave Friday evening, get to D.C., and have fun, and then come home. So loyalty, discipline, autonomy, and freedom are some things that I'm hearing Mm -hmm. from you that are high value. Uh, Yeah, those, and plus joy, Joy and happiness. Yeah. So with all of those, what do you think that um, humanity needs most right now? compassion and empathy you know because those are two things that we're missing right now I mean I hate to talk politics but the political structure of the country right now is horrible and there's no compassion for people that don't have anything so yeah and not just political structure but I think leadership 
Like, what do you what do you think we're missing in terms of leadership, or could use? Someone stepping up, you know, you've got local politics, state politics, and federal, and it seems like no one wants to step up and say, hey, we're going to do this. So, and no one's held accountable. So, until the Black Lives Matter, all the protests and everything, now you see things changing, but, uh, you know, I, it, it's taken a movement. Yeah. It, yeah, so it's it's changing. It's uh like someone needs to become responsible to pay the bills and mm-hmm. <laughs> take care of people. Yeah. It's that same energy. Um yeah. So we'll get there. I mean there's a lot of changes in politics coming and who knows what's gonna happen. Well, I have two final questions for you. So the first question I wanna ask you is okay. Because longevity and health is a value for you as well, like what tips would you share with people? Like if you had top Ron's top three tips of staying youthful and healthy. Uh, Stay active. I mean, if you can't work out, just walk, stay active, Uh, stay happy. Don't let, don't let your mind take you to dark places. I mean, it happens, but you got to still stay focused on being happy or joyful. Put it that way, joyful. And uh, the third is have good friends. I mean, find people that you like being around and, and communicate with, and uh, they make you happy. So I guess those are my three things. Stay healthy and active, joyful. And have good friends. What do you want your kids to know in terms of like how to live their lives to be healthy and happy? Uh, take care of their bodies. Um, take care of their children. Be compassionate and sympathetic uh, to you know their kids' needs and other people's needs. Because um, you can't, you can't make other people happy if you're not happy so you know that's my philosophy on happiness yeah yeah it comes from within yeah who is this man (laughs) (laughs) as you look in the mirror who is that guy who is that guy squinty eyes freckles goatee earring hmm yeah, he is handsome, isn't he? You're you're very handsome. <laughs> you're you're a wonderful human being, a wonderful spirit. You're my brother. You're my friend. Yeah. And I see compassion. I see um, empathy in you, and I see the fun too. Oh yeah. So got to be a jokester. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate you being here with me. I truly honor and. and cherish you we've known each other for 2012 so eight Eight years years. yeah wow still getting to know each other even more and more and um i am very inspired i i think it's really important to have people at any age that are conscious and proactive about taking care of themselves so that's one of the things i really truly 
value about you. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing I forgot to mention is hang out with young people. (laughs) (laughs) They they keep you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's That's true. That's true. Nate, 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 my husband, he's, well, you know, Nate, he's five years younger than me. So, and it's awesome because I often look to him to do all of the hard labor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Wait till I tell him. Thank you, friend. Love you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Humanity Speaks podcast. With the rise of social media engagement and video conference calls, many people are feeling more self-conscious about seeing themselves face on. I believe that if you love yourself when you see yourself, you elevate humanity, which is why I've created programs to help people love who they see in the mirror. I want to show you how to look at yourself with love, compassion, and acceptance so you can share your strengths, presence, and talents with pride. The best part is we can work together one-on-one in a group program or even in person. Simply visit MarianneTelkovsky.com or follow me on Instagram at MarianneTelkovsky and we can get started right now on your path to radical self-acceptance, healthy aging, and building your radiant energy. Until next time, signing off. This is Marianne Talkovsky with Humanity Speaks.